At the Clinton Global Initiative, I had the pleasure of meeting Talia Milgram Elcott. She is the founder and executive director of Beyond 100K. The goal of the organization is to prepare and retain 150,000 new STEM teachers, especially for schools serving majority Black, Latinx, and Native American students. So I'm Maria Pullen. So yeah. nice to meet you. And what's your name? So good to meet you. I'm Talia Milgram Elcott. And tell me a little bit more about yourself, about what you've created, and why. So. I, let's see, I am a lawyer by training, okay. but very quickly realized that lawyers tend to see problems after they're fully blown. Oh. I had gone to law school because I wanted to help solve problems and contribute to making them, like not just resolving them, but kind of getting at the root of why they exist in the first place. And what I began to realize pretty quickly during law school and not so long after that too, was that it's, um, lawyers see problems when they're fully blown. It's really education that gets at the deepest root. Yes. And, um, even after all this time, and I've now been working in education for almost 20 years, <laughs> it blows my mind. Uh, I still believe that if you can educate someone, if someone is educated, you can't, they're unstoppable. Right. And like knowledge is almost the key. Knowledge yeah. is the key. Knowledge is power. Yes. Knowledge is opportunity. Knowledge is not just a seat at the table, it's getting to set your own table. And can you explain to me what your organization is? Give us the name, a little bit of the history. I would love to hear about it. Yeah, so our, our story starts more than 10 years ago when President Obama put out a call for 100,000 excellent science, technology, engineering, and math teachers and called on this country to teach because it changes a life. There's nothing else you can do, nothing better you can do to support this country but to help and educate its next generation. And we knew, he knew, that we needed those, um, those opportunities in STEM. They're where the yep. best paying jobs are, it's where the greatest challenges are, and therefore where the greatest innovation is needed. And he put out that call and put in a request to Congress uh, for some funding and Congress said no. Oh, 2011. Oh my goodness. And he was a smart man. He is a smart man, isn't he? Yes, he saw the he needs that were coming down the pike. So he put out that call for 100,000 excellent STEM teachers. Congress said no. And I was at Carnegie Corporation of New York, the, the, the global foundation. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I sort of heard this call. We have a deep history, a centuries long focus on teachers at Carnegie and a more recent focus on STEM as a way of effecting change. And I thought, here was this call that needed to be answered, and yet nobody was going to step up to do it. Oh Could we mobilize response? And 28 organizations joined us, actually on stage at CGI oh, wow. in 2011 to make commitments to this goal. And 10 years later, more than 300 organizations crossed the finish line together wow. We didn't just hit the goal, we exceeded it. That's incredible. We're 108,000 STEM teachers in 10 years. And is this STEM teachers across all levels of education? It is pre-K to 12. Because wow. we understood that mm -hmm. you need it from the very first moments. Kids are naturally curious. They They're are. natural tinkerers. They will build and take apart. All of that is right there in them. The question is, do we give them the opportunities? And so we knew we needed to start as early as pre-K yeah. and take it all the way through 12. So 108,000 teachers. Uh, in STEM over 10 years. And we got to that goal, or we're getting to the goal, and seeing that it was coming, and we thought, if we stop the work now, 
it would, like, yeah. what would happen? You know, the, the work wasn't, the 100,000 wasn't the end. The yeah. end needed to be ending a STEM teacher shortage once and for all. Completely. Right? It's not gravity. Like, it's not a no. rule of nature that we have a shortage and that that shortage most impacts the communities and students who have been most excluded from STEM. This is not a rule of nature. This is a choice we've made. What if we made different choices? Could we make different choices to lead to different results? And so we came together actually and turned our next goal over to young people. We said we need another goal that takes us on the way to ending the STEM teacher shortage. Yeah. But that next goal shouldn't just come from the president, as amazing as that president is. It should come from the folks closest to those challenges whose experiences should guide us. So 600 young people, almost all of them young people of color, told us 75% of them girls or, or kids who self-described as non-binary, told us their stories about STEM. They told us about their experiences when they were in math class and science, when they yeah. had a technology uh, after school opportunity. And what we heard from them were three amazing things, and those have guided our goals. We heard from them that they wanted to create things in STEM. They're not checked out at all. They're so Yeah, ripped. that's amazing. We heard from them that they need to belong yeah. if they're going to succeed and persist. Mm -hmm. And to be seen, and maybe even the representation of scientists, mathematicians. I have a five and a nine-year-old, and I know what they, our, our school is very focused on actually STEAM. Yes. It's STEM with we, art, uh, which is really cool, yes. you know, another way to integrate it totally. and to teach, you know, science yes, and, and technology. Yeah, I think that's a great way. It also just sparks a curiosity. Totally. And just like showing kids of color that there were incredible mathematicians and scientists that made revolutionary breakthroughs. And they might, the people that you have the kids you've changed might become the next people to discover amazing things. And have you tracked any of these kids from the beginning? Well, that is literally what we what we believe. We believe that like the cure for desalinating water, and that, that, that person's sitting in a classroom yes. today. Like Albert Einstein was once a little kid. He was. Sitting in a classroom and like, they are there right now, whether that's energy solutions or desalination or new cures for diseases old or not yet discovered like they're all in our classrooms today if we can yeah. give them the opportunities and so our next goal we're calling it beyond 100k beyond 100k because you want to get past that that was not go, the finish line that was not the finish line you have to go beyond we're going to prepare 150,000 teachers just in this decade wow we're going to retain 150,000 stem teachers in this decade because if we don't have classrooms worthy of keeping our teachers yeah we don't deserve to bring them in there in the first place those teachers are going to represent yeah. their students and represent the racial diversity and vibrancy of this country. Just to see a teacher that looks like you exactly. and to connect with that teacher on like a human level. Yes. I feel like that's going to spark a young child's mind. Like I could even be that teacher to teach the teacher. next one. I could, I could create too. I, I'm worthy of being here and I can do amazing things. A teacher can tell you that. Yes. And that is really what we heard from young people, that teachers were the ones who unlocked that sense of belonging Completely. more than anyone else in their lives. And so we are supporting these teachers to create classrooms of belonging oh, for all of their students, amazing. but especially the students who have been most excluded from STEM opportunity are Black, Latinx, and Native American young people. So that yes. is the goal for this decade, going it. beyond 100K. I would love to finish with a teacher that really sparked you. Oh, I love this question. I think sometimes I have two teachers who always jump to mind. Uh, one of them was my second grade 
mm-hmm. uh, teacher. Her name was Dorette Diamond. We called her Dorette. And she, she really, she like, I, I mean, her name was Diamond, but she sparkled for oh. me. And, you know, just got down on the floor and uh, let us create with our hands and That's make amazing. amazing things. And I, that like sense of, of belonging, I hadn't always felt like I belonged. In, in my first grade year, I remember feeling uncomfortable and on the edges in that, that second grade year, she just like welcomed me and let me know that oh. I had a place in this class and I could belong. And then fast forward to seventh grade, Mrs. Maid uh, was my English teacher and she taught me about metaphors. Metaphors. Yeah. We read um, a short story called The Effect of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. And oh. I, I can still tell you about this little girl reading, um, taking care of a plant. So it was about a science experiment and the effects of gamma rays on this marigold that she was taking care of in a home that wasn't taking care of her. And she in the, like that moment when I realized that she was the marigold. Oh, mind blown, right? <laughs> That's it. Explosion that of my it. mind. What is your background, could I ask? I am, so I'm a lawyer by training. Emma, your, your ethnic background. I, I, oh, I, I was going to say which background. I, I, I'm Jewish. Okay. And my, I get asked all the time uh, about my name, Talia, because yeah. it, I, I, it, it has so many, there's so many different traditions that have Talias and Talias yeah. and Talias. And I love, I love that feeling of connection. My name comes from Hebrew and it means like the morning dew, Tal, and oh. Yah, like hallelujah is the divine. Oh, wow. So... Wow. Uh, sort of that, like that sense of possibility oh, in the it was morning just meant for you. when the dawn is there. And I see that as a metaphor for what you're doing as well. <laughs> I'm sure you do as well. I've, I really <laughs> felt today, especially, um, and I think about this as a mom. I have three kids. They're three girls, 10, 12, and 14. And I, I thought about them in this work. I was pregnant with my youngest when all of this started. And I, I think about their poss- like the possibilities mm-hmm. that they have and like that sort of innate opportunity that every young, like that incredible spark that every young person has. Yes. That could be, could be who knows what, right? Like that sort of whole world is contained inside of, inside of one person. Um, Isn't it pretty fun to figure out what makes them tick? It's, I, I have a five and nine year old, so like, you know, I've, your kids are a little older than mine, but they're, I'm really seeing it. They are, and they're completely different humans. Oh my goodness. So I feel like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so I feel like it's my best work as a parent is that they're each of them completely different humans, but they're fiercely loyal to each other. They yes. still they share a room by choice. Oh, all three of them. All three of them? All three of them. Bunk bed, loft bed. We like literally every night do a circuit, and I'm just lying with each one of them to have like one on one time and snuggle with them. They still want to snuggle with us. But oh, I've been thinking that gives me recently. hope. Yes, good, totally. You still do hope. it. You can still do it. That um, like there are so many things you think about as as a mom, as a parent, um, and one of the ones I never thought I would have to like have as a as a thing I focus on for my kids. But I think it is going to be true for people raising children right now. Everything that's happening in the world, yeah, is to keep them. I feel like there's a very fine line right now between despair and hope. Yeah. And I feel like part of our job as moms and as parents is to keep our kids on the side of hope um, and to feel like the future yeah. can be better than the past, even even if things feel very challenging and what they do will matter, that they can take the next, like the next elegant step forward, whatever it is to, to like carve a path to, to progress, that, they, that what they do matters. That is so beautiful. 
Yeah, no, I, we do this. I'm just thinking about it, like you were saying, just having that one-on-one -on -one time. We do like this rose thorn, wild yeah. rose thing with my kids. And rose thorn and bud. Yeah, her rose was like this science project at school that was very, you know, STEM involved. They were studying this water cycle and they put the water in the plastic bags and set it on the sun and they saw like the condensation yes. and the evaporation. But to teach science like that as opposed to just worksheets. Yes, that it's something you can do oh, with your hands yes. and you can see it in the world around you. I just think like the world is full of magic, full of mystery and full of goodness. If we can just slow down enough to pay attention yeah. to it. It's there for us. My mom has this amazing metaphor I've been thinking about a lot. These days she's like, um, she talks about the cable cars in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So the cables are always running, yep. but the cars only move when they hook into it. Yeah. When they hook in, it can take you up the steepest mountain. It's like the cables of hope and connection are just always there for us running. And the question is, do we hook in? Mm -hmm. so when we hook in, we can climb up oh my the goodness. steepest mountains together. I live in the Bay Area, so I have climbed those steep stairs. <laughs> exactly. So... And you have amazing glyphs for it. Don't yes. get me wrong, there's some benefits, but it sometimes helps to have Oh, have completely. I love that metaphor. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I would yes. actually love to have a longer conversation one day. I, would, I feel like just, we have a lot to talk about. I think about. we have a lot to talk about. And we just thought, because I would switching to this work, you know, I was always in the for-profit world. I'm an MBA and I switched because my why shifted. Like my why was I need to leave this world better for my children than when I found it. And that is having more education, more representation for my mixed race children, yeah. you know, that I, I need them to see. And I think what you're doing, the work you're doing, putting teachers and teachers of color in front of these students. Everyone. Yes. Everyone needs to see that they can be whoever they dream of being in the world. And the truth is that every child sees that when their teachers are more diverse. Whatever your background, yeah. black, brown, white, everything. You look at that world and you think, this world's a big place and there has to be room yeah. for me in it. And for my like my uniqueness, my greatness can oh, flower in this world. I know, my daughter wants to be a dentist ballerina. My son wants to be an astronaut yes, who please. also drives garbage trucks. Uh, obviously. So what do your daughters want to be? Oh, that's so <laughs> my 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 now twelve year old. Um, we have a picture still of her up right next to where like and there's our, our um, couch in the living room that says, "I want to be a teacher in Hebrew in Hebrew and English." <laughs> uh, so maybe that's we'll amazing. build schools worthy of all of our children to want to be oh, teachers in them. I love that so much. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. This was wonderful. I want to have a longer conversation again. At Global Partners for Development, our mission is to advance community-led initiatives that improve education and public health in East Africa. We envision a world in which every East African community has the capacity to implement dynamic, sustainable solutions to the challenges they face. To learn more, visit gpfd.org.